Hello, Black Hollywood Live fans. Today we are talking the possibility of a Hillary Clinton indictment, the Ted Cruz sex scandal, and more. Today we are joined by special guest Rhonda Wills of WeTV's Sisters-in-Law. Stay tuned for more. You are tuned into Black Hollywood Lives. Justice is served. Hello and welcome, Black Hollywood Live fans. You are joining us for a special edition of Justice is Served, where we talk the latest legal news every week. Today, um, we are joined by a special guest. My name is Shaka Smith. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Shaka Strong. And we have special guest Rhonda Wills. Hi, everyone. I'm Rhonda Wills. You can find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rhonda Wills. I am also a star of WeTV's new docu-series, Sisters-in-Law. We air on Thursday nights at 9 Central, 10 Pacific Time, and 10 Eastern Time. Hi, and I'm Shannon Myricks. You can find me on at Shannon Myricks on Twitter. I'm currently a student at the UCLA School of Law. Great, and uh, you may have noticed that we're missing one today, Chelsea Galicia, who is in D.C. protesting right now. Um, she had joined with Black Lives Matter Marching to kind of keep campaign fin um, keep finances out of uh, campaigns. And unfortunately, yesterday she was arrested um, along with 85 others. And there have been a slew of different arrests. On Monday, there were 429 as well. And we encourage you to check out democracyspring.org and look into the protest and see what's going on in D.C. So our thoughts are with Chelsea, and hopefully she will, uh, you know, be fine. Well, and that's such an important issue, campaign finance and the fact that she's protesting for mm -hmm. that. Because I think we're finding, especially in this election cycle, where we have a billionaire who's trying to become president, we don't want elections in this country to be bought and sold. So campaign finance reform is extremely important, and more power to her for absolutely. protesting. Yeah, absolutely. So we're, uh, we're hoping that other people are active and uh, you know, take some action, really pay attention. But our first story of the day, Hillary Clinton and a possible indictment. So we've been hearing about this for months now. Will Hillary, will Hillary actually be indicted? And it seems to be reaching its fever pitch right now. So I'd just love to hear you guys' thoughts on this. Well, I have to say that I think the chances of Hillary Clinton being indicted for having her emails on her server at home is highly unlikely. If you look at the history of the Espionage Act, and typically people like Petraeus who actually get <laughs> indicted and charged and, and um, ultimately pled guilty for such a crime, it had to involve something a lot worse than you know, inadvertently using your home server instead of the governmental server. And may I add, Hillary Clinton's home server was probably a lot safer than the governmental server. <laughs> Although there is a small but credible argument that uh, the extent of her emails may actually be that sort of factor that could you know, not impossible, not, you know, necessarily likely, but not impossible that she could be prosecuted. Um, it was 2,100 emails. It happened every single day, every single day that she sent emails or went home, that information was taken with her. And uh, the, the possible argument, but unlikely that that could be a factor here. Yeah, and uh, I think we had Rudy Giuliani, who had really been pressing for her indictment. Um, he talked about the volume of emails, 2,100. But as we know, only a small fraction of those have actually been found to be classified. And beyond that, I believe only 22 were top secret. 
Yeah, I mean, this whole thing obviously is political. Mm. I mean, when you hear Rudy Giuliani, a Republican who clearly is against Hillary Clinton, when you hear him talking about the volume of emails, I mean, that's a real misnomer. If you break down the so-called 2,100 emails, I think a handful of them are actually considered true classified information. The rest of them, frankly, are pretty much emails between her and subordinate people on her staff. So those are hardly the sort of secrets that we're worried about uh, getting out to some sort of foreign government. So Rudy Giuliani is playing the political game, and any attempts to indict Hillary Clinton would fail, and it would certainly be politically motivated. So it looks like we're saying no indictment for Hillary Clinton. No. And uh, funny enough, uh, one of Trump's former uh, campaign managers came out and said uh, she, could beat, he, she could beat Trump from jail. Mm -hmm. So that'll be interesting to see. Um, next story, Ted Cruz sex scandal, huge, absolutely huge. It's almost gone a little bit under the radar, right? Yeah. You know, normally sex scandals in presidential elections are huge, but I don't know if it's a sign of the times or what. I, I think people look at Ted Cruz and imagine who would really be in a sex scandal with him. <laughs> right. <laughs> so I think that because he's, you know, frankly, a lot of his persona has to do with the credibility of believing that anyone would be <laughs> involved in some sort of a sexual liaison with him. But it does seem that Mr. Cruz may have actually gotten around in these different circles. So uh, what are your thoughts on this sex scandal? Well, this the sex scandal has you know gained more legs because the Federal Election Commission has launched an investigation into campaign funds. Uh, specifically, uh, there was a super PAC that transferred money. That is, the super PAC was founded by Ted Cruz. The money was transferred from Carly Farina's campaign to that super PAC. It was half a million dollars. So people are starting to kind of look at this a little, you know, more seriously now. Um, particularly with it being the Farina campaign, and uh, one of the rumors is that a woman uh, named Flores, or Sarah Flores, uh, is a campaign manager for Farina. So they think that it's possible that maybe that money was transferred as hush money. So I definitely think we're gonna see a little more of this story, especially because there are now five women who are allegedly his mistresses. So the sex scandal could actually maybe end up being legal trouble for Ted Cruz. Well, I definitely think that if this federal investigation, and federal investigations can take a really long time, so I know this investigation's been going on, I believe, since last fall. So the wheels of justice in Washington can turn very slowly. <laughs> but if this federal investigation actually uncovers that the uh, Carly Fiorina campaign cannot justify and explain where this $500,000, a half million dollars came from that was funneled to her campaign um, through this mysterious pack that was created <laughs> for Ted Cruz. If they can't explain the money trail, um, a federal investigation could actually um, turn out to, to yield some, some serious problems for Ted Cruz if it turns out that this was indeed some sort of a payoff. And full disclosure on our part, the story was broken by the National Enquirer. However, we do know they got it right with John Edwards, so we'll see what happens there. But now there's been some speculation as to who these women actually are, as in the National Enquirer they blurred the women's faces. But we do have maybe some knowledge that maybe Katrina Pearson, and I think you could speak to this um, to some degree here. You know, I, I met Katrina Pearson when she appeared um, as a recurring um, guest on uh, our television show, Sisters-in-Law. Um, she appears on multiple episodes um, and will be appearing on future episodes of Sisters-in-Law, which airs on Thursday nights at 9 Central, uh, 10 Eastern Time. Um, but I, I don't know. I know that 
Katrina Pearson is alleged to be involved in this. I know that Katrina Pearson, at the time she was filming with us, was actually working for the Ted Cruz campaign. Uh, and during the filming at some point, I think she started to, to sort of um, jump ship, <laughs> found a better opportunity and moved over to uh, Donald Trump and is now actually Donald Trump's national spokesperson. Uh, I, I have no idea whether or not any of these rumors about Katrina Pearson and Ted Cruz are true or not. Um, you know, having worked with her, I, you know, everybody just watch the show and draw your own conclusions. But, um, you know, having worked with her, nothing would surprise me. Well, we do have a clip from the show um, from the first time that uh, I guess you guys meet. So uh, let's go ahead and play that clip now. I do political commentary for all the major networks, Fox News, MSNBC, um, and I love it. I get to go and debate anybody. Katrina is a black Republican. Oh, she's a Republican. Okay. <laughs> a Republican. That is like, to me, a dirty That's word. I can't even imagine being a Republican. You know who, the, who founded the Republican Party of Texas, right? Black men. Yeah. Okay, but you know what? But that was in Reconstruction. Reconstruction. I understand that the Republican Party was started by blacks and started in Lincoln was a Republican and everybody talks about it. Just like LBJ didn't give a great deal because he loved black people. I understand all that. No, it was a Civil Rights Act, honey, right. not the Great Deal. But it wasn't because it was he loved black act. people. I know, but it was a Civil Rights Act. Right. I'm, just checking, your, I'm just checking your facts. It, it was a Civil Rights Act. Tried to stop the Great Deal right? was right. right. I'm just trying to check your Thank facts. You. This event is definitely not the time and the place to do this. So tell us a little bit about that scene. I mean, it, it, Katrina Pearson is someone who goes around, in my opinion, uh, saying a lot of really derogatory things. I mean, when she appears on the show, uh, you will hear her saying some things that, in my opinion, are sexist and racist. Um, for example, she, she talked about black women being on welfare and referred to black women as welfare queens. Wow. When in the same breath, admitting that she herself was on welfare um, and had to receive public assistance, but she claims she, quote, escaped from welfare. Uh, we actually did a story uh, <laughs> on the new face of the welfare queen a couple weeks back, and it's actually a white, very you know, young female you know, population. Yes, well, but according to Katrina Pearson, it's she as a black woman escaped the, wel the welfare wow. cycle. Um, and she also talks about immigrants and refers to immigrants as illegals, which of course is very derogatory. Um, she talks about African Americans being slaves. If they choose to vote for the Democratic Party, we're, we're still slaves. Um, she says a lot of things that are, are sexist and racist that I believe amount to hate speech. Um, so if you tune into the show, you will see the real Katrina Pearson, <laughs> and you will, will, will get to see her in full effect. And it was very troubling to me, the things that she says. And she talks about, she goes on, all these different shows debating things, and she didn't even know what the Civil Rights Act was. Wow. So she considers herself to be a political expert. She's a national spokesperson for Trump, a leading presidential contender, and she didn't even know what the Civil Rights Act is. That's amazing to me. Uh, what is the vetting process for some of these shows that you can be a correspondent? I mean, at Fox News, it's still you know a, a professional organization, you would think. What's the vetting process? I, I, I would imagine there is no vetting process <laughs> if she's on it. I mean, she, she literally didn't know what the Civil Rights Act is. She thought it was something called the, the Great Deal, which yeah. never existed. Um, she didn't understand what LBJ did that she was trying to criticize him for. 
Um, but this is just par for the course with her. She oftentimes gets her facts confused and she basically just wants to make sure she gets out a lot of really, in my opinion, derogatory, hateful ideas. And so that's her whole purpose. And what's I think more troubling is that she's not just a minority in terms of that idea. We have a lot of people that are Trump supporters that are also kind of vitriolic. What do you think is leading to to this kind of you know um, tenor in our country? I believe that when you have people like Katrina Pearson going around saying such hateful, derogatory things, sexist, racist comments, when she talks about banning Muslims from this country, when she talks about um, referring to hardworking immigrants as all being illegals, when she talks about black women being welfare queens, when she says all of these really derogatory things, that's very un-American. And it amounts to hate speech. And so when you go around spewing such hate, is it surprising when we see these Trump rallies turning into hate fests? Yeah, absolutely. Um, what's your thoughts on it, Shannon? I think as far as like the culture of the Trump campaign, how does this sort of vitriol culture kind of sprout out? It was already there. I think people like Trump and people like Ms. Pearson are exploiting the anxiety that a lot of Americans have about our future. We just recovered from a recession. Money is tight, jobs are coming back, but still not the way it used to be. So what is the easiest thing to do? What have we done historically is we blame minorities. We blame communities that don't have a voice. But I think, thankfully, uh, we now exist in a, you know, we exist in social media now where we can give voices to those people, make sure we're countering all that vitriol. But I think it was already there. I think Trump and Pearson have just figured out how to extract that and make it seem like this is the majority opinion. Yeah, it's sad, but it's almost positive because now it's at least come to light, you know. Well, one of the things that really troubled me, having interacted with Katrina Pearson and having worked with her, one of the things I find most troubling about uh, Katrina Pearson is essentially she is being used as a tool, as a mouthpiece of the Trump campaign. As a black woman, being black and female, Katrina Pearson gets away with saying racist, sexist things that amount to hate speech that the vast majority of the Republican Party, who are primarily white males, would never be allowed to say. But because she is black and because she is a woman, she gets a pass on saying these really hateful, derogatory things. Yeah, it almost reminds me a little bit about Stacey Dash and how she's kind of come out and done the same thing, and they're kind of embracing her over at Fox. A little bit bizarre, but I would love to hear more about what we can expect on Sisters-in-Law. Sisters-in-Law, first of all, is a show that focuses on, on, on me and, and five other African-American women. It's set in Houston. We are all high-powered, mm -hmm. fierce lawyers. Um, we, uh, the show focuses on our careers, our cases, our clients, and also focuses on the fact that we have a sisterhood. Um, we, as uh, black women, make up a very, very small percentage of the bar very small, teeny tiny percentage of the bar. We are the minority of the minority. And so we kind of form this sisterhood. And like real life sisters, we fight, we fuss, but at the end of the day, we have each other's backs and we come together. And so the show sort of focuses on our sisterhood and it also focuses on our cases, our clients. I am a civil attorney. Um, I have, uh, I've been very, very fortunate and blessed to have formed a multi-million dollar civil litigation firm I have a staff here in Houston, I have an office in New York, and I'm in the process of opening an office here in Los Angeles. Oh. Um, I, I have a home in Houston, and I just recently purchased a home here in LA. So I uh, have cases across the country. 
uh, representing everyday Americans where there are civil rights violations such as discrimination, the Equal Pay Act, um, race discrimination, um, sexual harassment. Um, and I also handle catastrophic personal injury cases and I do a lot of class action work. Um, so my, my practice is, is a, a really big civil litigation firm representing just the average American out there. And then my sisters-in-law, um, most of them are criminal lawyers and they represent people that have been charged with crimes. Um, and I have to ask you right now, equal pay is so big in the news. Where do you see that going? Is, that going, is there going to be a federal mandate? I hope that there will be a federal mandate. Um, this is one of the issues that's near and dear to my heart as a woman. I have a 10-year-old daughter who will one day be in the workforce. My mother was a single mother raising five children who sometimes worked two and three jobs. People don't seem to understand that you know, the rent is the same when you're a woman, electricity is the same, a loaf of bread costs the same thing for a woman as it costs for a man. So what justification could you possibly have for paying women so much less than men to do, perform the same job? And this is across the country. It's in virtually every city and every industry. And without a federal mandate, I don't believe that we're ever going to see equal pay for um, women doing the same job as men. Without a federal mandate, it just simply won't happen. Yeah, something I love that Barack Obama said was that he was um, he wants people to be astonished that women did not make the same amount as men one day. He wants people to be astonished that there were no women presidents at some point. You know, so I think that we're headed in the right direction. But I've kind of heard the kind of cry for equal equal pay before, and I haven't seen anything done. So. Well, what I find encouraging is the Democratic candidates, both Hillary Clinton and Bernie Sanders, are both uh, very much in favor. Of, of a federal mandate and ensuring that women are going to receive equal pay. Um, one thing that I've also dealt with is not just women being paid less than men, but minorities being paid less than, than Caucasians. I mean, that happens more than you think. I, I had a case where literally a company was putting their white workers in one area of the company and paying them more, and then putting their black and other minority workers in another division of the company where they automatically were going to be paid less. Wow. So this still goes on in, you know, here we are in 2016 and we're still dealing with um, unequal pay. Was that the Abercrombie case? It, no, it, uh, it wasn't that yeah. case, but there are yeah, a lot of cases. Common. There are a number of cases and it, unfortunately it is common. So, you know, that's, that's why lawyers like, I, like me, we keep, we, I keep doing what I do and other lawyers keep doing what they do because without um, litigation, without strong laws and then lawyers to, to actually make sure that those laws are being enforced, we simply won't, won't have equal pay in this country. Yeah, very admirable. Um, one thing that I know for me, we've been talking about, we mentioned on the show, the American Crime Story, the OJ show, and kind of seeing Johnny Cochran's portrayal. And I think people got a little bit better idea of what he was doing and what he stood for. Um, what did you think about that portrayal and what are your thoughts on it? First of all, I thought that you, seen it. <laughs> I've, I've seen the entire series yeah. um, and some of the episodes I've seen more than once. I, I thought the movie was great. Uh, I, I felt that Johnny Cochran was one of the great lawyers. He will go down in history as being one of the, the best um, litigators that this country has ever seen. Um, Johnny Cochran um, was able to handle both civil and criminal cases, but we got to see what made him tick and what made him so strong in his opinions 
that it didn't matter whether OJ was was guilty or not. I don't think that's what, what drove him. What drove him was the fact that OJ was entitled to a defense. What further drove him was this idea that there could be a corrupt uh, LAPD, there could be a corrupt governmental system that would um, basically cause black men, not just OJ, but, but other black men to go to prison for, with manufactured evidence. Um, you know, we saw that Johnny Cochran himself had been the subject of discrimination. And so that really drove his thinking and made him the activist that he was. Wow. Well, thank you for your thoughts on that. Um, we're so happy you guys joined us for a special episode. Uh, please uh, give us five stars, download us on iTunes, check us out on YouTube. We'd love to hear your comments and your tweets. Um, I'm Shaka Smith. You can find me again on Instagram and Twitter at Shaka Strong. I'm Rhonda Wills. You can find me on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Rhonda Wills. And Sisters-in-Law is on WeTV Thursdays, 9 Central, 10 Eastern. And I'm Shannon Myricks. You can find me at Shannon Myricks on Twitter.com. And check out democracyspring.org. Uh, Chelsea, we're praying for you. Thank you, guys. From executives Kevin Undergaro, Dario Kristen, Tiana Hobson, and the entire BHL staff, we would like to thank you for supporting Black Hollywood Live, the first online broadcast network dedicated to African-American entertainment. For questions and comments, contact us. Info at blackhollywoodlive.com. Like us on Facebook, tweet us, or Instagram us at BHL Online. And I am the official voice of Black Hollywood Live, Scipio. Instagram at KingXOBay. Thanks for tuning in. Hollywood redefined. The views expressed here are those of the hosts only and do not necessarily reflect the views of BHL or its owners or principals.